Welcome to the Dashboard Effect Podcast. I'm Brick Thompson. I'm Caleb Oaks. How's it going? I'm good. So, Caleb, today I wanted to talk about uh, our trip to the Microsoft Build conference about three weeks ago out in Seattle. Uh, it was fascinating. The you know, Obviously, the big topic was AI. And then Microsoft has tools they're calling co-pilots that are using various AI things, LLMs and, and various other generative AI. Um, what was your impression? I thought it was awesome. I mean, getting in to go into the uh, the keynote, you know, that first day and first of all, the room was ridiculous. That the was conference cool. center was awesome. Those big flat screen TVs <laughs> hanging everywhere were unbelievable. They yeah. looked like projectors, but they weren't. Like yeah. it was just insane. Yeah. And then uh and then, yeah, the announcements that, that came out in that keynote were crazy. Yeah. I mean, it was really, really cool. It was like the co-pilots were obviously awesome. Uh, you know, Windows co-pilot I'm super excited for, which is a little desktop assistant that will help you change settings and yeah. do different things just in your normal uh, workflow. They kept saying, like, help you stay in your flow so it'll keep you, right. you know, from having to stop and go do something else. It'll just like do things for you. So it's pretty cool there. And then obviously for us, the big thing was Microsoft Fabric. Right. So Fabric is the new uh, branding name for how they're packaging all of their BI stack. And it's a little different from Synapse, which was the prior, you know, the prior way to package, uh, uh, Azure Synapse. Um, Fabric really is a different deal, it feels like. Yeah, it's a little bit more managed. Um, you get a lot more bang for your buck, in my opinion. You know, I guess it's come out with a, it's come out with a private preview and we've right. been able to use it and test some things. And, um, I guess it's a general preview, but it's, it's really cool. Like you can do a lot of the same things you can do in fabric other ways, but it makes it really easy to do some really cool stuff and, uh, kind of take some of the guesswork and some of the configuration that you would have to deal with out of the equation. And, you know, it's cool. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. I think, uh, one of the main things about that that was surprising to me was this new one lake concept where all data is going to sit in their data lake, their one lake, sitting in Delta Parquet files. Mm -hmm. So even if you have a SQL server, well, not if you have a VM that's running SQL server, that's one thing. But if you're running the SQL server service on top of Fabric, all of the data sits in these Parquet files. Mm -hmm. And so even though you're working in SQL and using Management Studio and all the tools that you want to, it's pointing back to these Parquet files. It's not duplicating them. Yep. You're not making multiple copies. Um, and, and the way that you can actually point to other data sources, including on AWS and I think soon Google, mm -hmm. um, and not have to move the data. You just point to it. Right. Somehow they figured out how to get that performing amazingly fast so that you can just do that. Yeah. I remember watching those demos like, this just seems a little too good to believe. <laughs> and then, you know, once we got the, the preview and we tried it and I've run some tests on it and stuff, it's it's as good as advertised. Like it, it's unbelievable. And one of the sessions I was in, um, these parquet files, they the guy was talking about how they've they've applied this like proprietary indexing on these parquet files. So uh, that's how they get this crazy good performance. And I love yeah. the fact, I just love how they're thinking about it. Like they're not duplicating data. You're not having multiple copies. You don't have to move data from this place over to here. And, and that one lake idea is a really, really good idea. It's like, I think they turned it one drive. It's like one drive. Yeah. Right? But yeah. you know, it's for your, for your data and it's awesome. 
Yeah, and it's just easy to look at and navigate. We've talked about it in prior podcasts, but you know, a data lake can sound like, oh gosh, that's just the latest buzzword. Mm-hmm. What the heck does it even mean? I mean, it really is just sort of an uh, almost like a, a, a file hierarchy for storing data. So you can, you know, have a name of a subsidiary, you can have a name of a knowledge area, say finance or sales or whatever, name of a system, um, HubSpot or whatever you're using. Um, and then, um, all of the tables that would normally be sitting like in a SQL table are sitting actually in these parquet files. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really easy to sort of see what your assets are right. and to attach to them. So if someone's doing, if you have an analyst who wants to attach to actually the raw table files, maybe they want to do some machine learning, learning or something, uh, run some models on that. You've got a data scientist. Great. They can get to the raw data. Yeah. But, but then you can also create data models that sit on top of that, that point back to those parquet files that just look like views in SQL. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing. Like it really is. Like you can, yeah, you can create a whole model with relationships and stuff and you're actually not loading any data into that model. They're all just staying in parquet files. It's just like, it's really cool. And I think, um, you know, that when you're, we were talking about an analyst getting access to the data and doing some analysis on it, it's the same type of thing. Like they're not pulling it into Excel and creating another copy of the data and doing whatever they want to it. And then, you know, then we get lost in the translation of what is this metric? It's like, no, it's, they are transacting directly against that file. And so then you have, you can have really lineage between here's the raw data, here's what they did, and here's where it ends up. The data stays over here, but you might have some transformations applied to it. It's, I mean, it's cool. Yeah. It's really cool. And so, and then I think it's the same if you're using Power BI, you're going to be pointing back to those parquet files. So no mm-hmm. more import models. Right. I mean, you could do one if you want to, but mm-hmm. if your data is sitting in one lake, you're just going to point to it. Right. Right. And you get, and this was one of the things where I was like, they can't, that can't be really be true where you get import level performance, which, you know, means it's really fast. Right. Like, and like, cause it's sitting there locally. One or you two seconds. Move it over the wire, right? One or two seconds, you get a result back. And, you know, I just couldn't wrap my head around how do you get that performance if you're not importing the data into Power BI and you do get that performance. Well, it's I guess. This indexing. Yeah. It's the indexing and then the query folding and, and everything <clears throat> they're doing to really optimize what they're asking the data lake to give back. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming. I mean, we haven't gotten to look under the hood yet, but yeah. that's what they've conceptually talked about. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, really cool. It's all in one spot. It's like in a Power BI feel, feeling experience to do data engineering and machine learning and and all that stuff. It's just, it's all packaged. It's, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. Well, and I came away, we didn't have pricing, I don't think, during that conference. I think we got mm-hmm. it right afterwards. I was assuming it might be darn expensive because you get a lot there and uh, it actually, at least the preview pricing that they're talking about is very affordable. Yeah. I think maybe less expensive than doing this on some of the old tools, the old stack. Yeah. And I've run into clients who we've talked about it and even on the old data lake, the Azure data lake tool have assumed that, oh, that's going to be expensive to have it sitting there. And they're amazed when, you know, we load up, um, you know, tens or hundreds of gigabytes of data and the storage cost per month, you know, we're talking a few dollars. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and of course, compute can add up depending on what you're doing on it, but it's just not very expensive. Yeah. And so much easier to manage than virtual machines, which have significant cost. And plus a virtual machine, you usually have have it scaled for what your usual load is on there. And so you're 
buying more machine than you need a lot of the time. And, and this does away with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, you know, having all that for that price, like I think the started starting cost like 275 bucks a month for a fabric yeah. tenon, which is, which is extremely affordable for a lot of people. And I think, um, you also, there, you know, it gets kind of complicated and we won't get too far into the, the pricing now, but that's, you know, it's a good, right. good rule of thumb. And, um, I was super excited about that. I thought I, th- I was like you. I thought this was going to be like a premium only, which is right, five grand a month. Or yeah. that, that disqualifies some people, but yeah. having that those lower tiers makes it super accessible. Yeah, we'll have to see how much you can get done at the various tiers and what it's going to really cost. But I like that they have at least they're previewing multiple tiers. Mm-hmm. So you start at two seventy five, and I can't remember what the the. Uh, levels are as you go up, but you know you get to five hundred, eight hundred thousand, whatever. Yeah. And you know if you have a really heavy load, maybe you get back up to that five thousand. We'll see. I mean, we just don't know yet. Um, the other thing we don't know is when will this go general availability, right. GA. Um, and you know, I'm guessing probably not less than six months. Yeah, they yeah. did. You know, they did say at the conference like they they expect it to be generally available at the end of this year. So okay. Unless something changes, I think that's what we can expect. But yeah. um, but that does beg the question of like, well, it's not, you know, generally available now. It's still in preview. Like if you're doing a data project, what do you do? Right. Well, right. So great question. What do you do? Yeah, that was actually one of the questions that was brought up in one of the sessions that I attended. And um, the recommendation because of how one lake works and what how fabrics can work with these parquet files was, Put things into Azure Data Lake storage. Um, you know, we've recorded a few podcasts on that just recently around why you need a data lake, and um, really, it was all kind of going after this AI thing. And this just kind of reaffirms it: like you definitely need to put stuff at a data lake because with Fabric coming on, what's going to be easy? You were mentioning it earlier. You can just create a link, like a short, what they call them, shortcuts, back to your Azure Data Lake, and then it's like. Those files are all of a sudden in your one lake and accessible in Fabric. So and you don't they, have to move them. Right? You don't have to move them, yeah. and it makes it super super easy. So that was the advice from Microsoft. Um, if you're doing something now, go Azure Data Lake storage um, and build yourself a data lake because it's an easy easy yeah. thing to do. You don't even have to migrate anything. Yeah. Just create a shortcut. So then I'm sure there are going to be people that are saying, yeah, but I'm comfortable in SQL Server. Shouldn't I just do SQL Server then? Um, and I think, okay, you know, that makes sense right now, but I don't think that's going to make sense for long. I mean, you're going to want to be in the data lake so you can take advantage of all that efficiency that you're getting in terms of storage, cost of storage, speed, you know, the, the, the shortcuts, all that stuff. You can use it as though you're in SQL. You can make it basically transparent. It looks like you're in a SQL server, mm-hmm. but you're going to want to actually have the data sitting in a data lake in those Parquet files. Right. Yeah, it's a really good point, right? There's a there's a part of Fabric that they call a warehouse, and that uses a SQL engine. So you can still keep using your your familiar T-SQL language, and you know it feels like SQL, looks like SQL. It is the SQL engine, but it's still using those Parquet files in just one copy of data, which is just it's awesome. Right. Well, and uh, and if you want to use, uh, let's say you want to use Spark instead, you know, do Python stuff mm-hmm. on the same data, feel free. Yeah, you can do it. They, yeah. the, what that's called is the lake, lake house. Right, so they've exactly. got Lake House, yeah. which is Spark, and they've got Warehouse, which is SQL. Yeah. And you can pretty much choose what engine you want to use. Yeah. Um, and in a lot of cases, you're probably going to end up finding a use case for both. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, I think we'll wrap up now. We're at about 10 minutes. And when we come back in our next episode, let's continue on this. But let's talk about Power BI and Copilots a little bit. All right, sounds good. All right, see you soon. Thanks. Thanks.